Whitdale Church, welcome to our weekend services. This weekend, we have an amazing speaker, Pastor John Jenkins, who's going to be sharing from God's Word with us. Pastor John Jenkins became a licensed minister at the age of 15. In 1989, he became the lead pastor of First Baptist Church of Glen Arden. The fruit of his biblically-based teaching is evidenced in the growth of church membership from 500 to more than 10,000. Today, an average of 11,000 people attend weekly Sunday services between two campuses located in Maryland, and an additional 7,000 viewers participate online. In addition to his role as senior pastor, Jenkins has served on the board of hospitals, universities, multiple ministries, and in national leadership roles. Even with his many obligations, Pastor Jenkins holds his role as a family man as the highest treasure. He and his wife are the proud parents of six children and one granddaughter. He has his pilot's license and takes great delight in flying. He remains steadfast in his quest to develop dynamic disciples. He is recognized as a catalyst to help individuals grow in lifelong Christian discipleship. Pastor Jenkins believes that these individuals will impact the world on behalf of the Lord, thereby strengthening families and healing broken hearts along the way. So a man of God has come to share the Word of God, and I pray that you'll be blessed and that you will want to make a difference as a result of hearing God has to say to Pastor Jenkins. Would you give him a warm welcome as he comes to share with us? Wow. This is the service I want to be at right here. Good morning. What a joy to be here. I'm so honored and so grateful to the Lord for this opportunity to be here at Wooddale. Thank God for your pastor. Help me celebrate and thank God for Pastor Dale. He's a tremendous man. I honor and salute him and thank him for this opportunity. I've been here at Wooddale before. I came about uh, eight or nine years ago. Matter of fact, I came in 2009, actually. I came and shared back in 2009, and I'm honored to be back. And my Lord, you look marvelous. Look at your neighbor and say, you look marvelous. You look marvelous. I bring you greetings from my home church, First Baptist Church. I'm, I'm pastoring the church I grew up in. I am pastoring people who taught me in Sunday school. Deacon Walton used to be my Sunday school teacher. He used to tell me in Sunday school, sit down, John Jenkins. And now in Deacon's meetings, I say to him, sit down, Deacon Walton. I feel good, it feels good. Oh, it feels great. I am also, um, my wife is uh, traveling here with me to uh, Minnesota. but she went over to the Lauren Park campus this morning and she's on her way back to this service here so she'll be here in a few moments. We've been married for 30, let me hold up. If we make it to August 23rd, we will have been married 37 years, amen. That's a miracle, that is a miracle that we made it for 37 years. and I wish I could say we've been married for 37 years I've, because I have been the bomb diggity husband. But that would be so far from the truth. I've been just toe up, messed up, jacked up. I'm a toe up, joke up, man. But she has 
um, stayed with me, not because she always wanted to. On one occasion, she, uh, she got so frustrated with me and she started crying and she went into the closet and broke out the suitcase to start packing clothes. She said, I'm sick and tired of this mess, I'm leaving. And I didn't know what to do, so I went in the closet after her broke out my suitcase, started packing my clothes. I said, I'm leaving, I'm going with you, where are we going? We also just uh, recently, our oldest son, uh, just, um, he and his wife just had their first child. So we're, we got two grandchildren now, amen. Somebody say, say, Pastor Jenkins, you don't look like a grandfather. Come on, make, embellish me for just a little bit. So we're excited about that new grandchild and we're grateful for that. I want you to pray with me for just a moment. Can you do that? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity and this privilege. I pray that you would anoint us to be a mouthpiece. I pray that hearts would be open and receptive. I particularly, Lord, pray for these mountain of young people that I see here today, that I know you have a purpose and an assignment for their life. I pray that you would give us your wisdom, your, your assignment today, to be your mouthpiece. Anoint us in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, um, y'all want me to feel at home, right? Okay, thank all five of y'all for that browsing. <laughs> so if I'm back at home and I'm preaching, if I say something really good, the people say, preach on Pastor Jenkins. <laughs> or they'll say, amen. Or they'll say, oh, that's good. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll talk back at me. So I've been preaching at Wooddale this weekend, and it's been a tough journey. Can y'all try to, <laughs> can y'all help me feel a little bit at home and say, preach on, that's good, amen. That's right, just anything, grunt, wave at me, anything, any kind of uh, acknowledgement. Um, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Matter of fact, I, I've been to Minnesota. Uh, I, I sat on the board of Bethel University for 12 years. Anybody here know Bethel University? Great school. Amen, praise the Lord, amen, thank y'all, amen. It's a great school. I remember my first, my very first time to Minnesota was to a Bethel board meeting. I came to a Bethel, uh, university board meeting and it was in January. <laughs> so uh, it was so cold that first trip, I said to myself, what have I gotten myself into? But hey, outside of the winters, Minnesota is a beautiful place to be. <laughs> That's why when Pastor Dale asked me to come in August, I said, I'm there, I'm coming, I'll be right there. If you have a Bible, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, and I'm not going to hold you long just till I get done. Matthew chapter 5, and I, I want to talk to you from verse 13. There's this one verse right here, verse 13. It is a very familiar passage of Scripture. It is well known. It is Jesus talking. It is listed in the midst of a sermon that Jesus is given. Jesus gives a sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. It is a sermon that he preaches for three chapters, chapters five, six, and seven, he preaches his sermon. He, he talks about a lot of things in this sermon. He talks about marriage and talks about the law. He talks about how to deal with people who hurt you and offend you. He talks about prayer, how to pray, how to fast. He talks about how to handle worry. He talks about not judging other people. The first part of chapter five, he talks about the Beatitudes. And at the end of the Beatitudes, that's the attitudes we ought to be. At the end of these Beatitudes, in verse 13, he says this, verse 13 of chapter five. 
You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. Can I read that again? Okay, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. I want to talk from the subject, from the theme, pass the salt, please. Please pass the salt. Look at your neighbor and say, please pass the salt. Now the other half of y'all that didn't do that, go ahead, look at your neighbor and say, pass the salt, please. I think it's interesting that Jesus tells the disciples, and thus us, that we're salt. Out of all of the things he could have called us, he calls us salt. That's amazing to me. He didn't say you're the metal of the earth, or he didn't say you're the brick of the earth, or the steel, or dirt, or water, or fire. There's a lot of things he could have said, but right here he says you're the salt of the earth. And it was interesting, and I was curious as to why he called us salt. Why did he tell them and us that we're salt? And I began to do some research on salt and I found out a lot of things about salt. I found out so many things. The first thing, and I got three points I'm gonna share with you today. Some of these points have subpoints, but I wanna talk about number one, the power of salt. Somebody say the power of salt. That's my first point, that salt is a powerful commodity. It is powerful. What's powerful about salt? Because it is a, it is a commodity. Salt is, its scientific name is sodium chloride. Go ahead, Pastor. I'm talking scientifically to y'all today. It's 40% sodium, 60% chloride. Salt has over 14,000 uses. Matter of fact, salt makes up 28% of your body weight. Back in Bible days, it was considered very valuable. Salt was considered a valuable commodity, almost like money. You went to visit somebody's house for dinner, you could tell how valuable you were to them based on how close they sat you to their salt cellar. So if you were on the table, on the end of the table that was closest to the, the, the salt cellar, you were considered valuable. If you were on the other end of the table, well, You were all right. Salt is a product of a, listen to this, chemical reaction between two elements. When these two elements get together, sodium and chloride, when the two of them get together, they produce salt. And Jesus perhaps says that we're salt because there ought to be a reaction, a chemical reaction with us when a sinner comes in contact with the grace of God and we become Salty, that's what we're supposed to be, the result of a chemical reaction between God's grace coming into our lives and making us different. Matter of fact, salt is essential to your life. You cannot live without salt. Matter of fact, if you don't have salt, you become dehydrated. Salt helps your body to maintain liquids. If you don't have salt in your body, you become dehydrated, your blood pressure will go down, you could go into a coma, you can die. Salt is essential. So with over its 14,000 uses, I discovered the power of salt and what it does. First of all, salt is a seasoning. Somebody holler out, seasoning. It's a seasoning. Thank you. This is the, I love y'all right here. 
uh, I might preach on for the rest of the day, y'all responding to me here today. It's a seasoning. And I, I don't cook, but cook people who cook use salt to help bring out the flavor in food. That's what it does. It brings out the flavor in food. God calls us to be a seasoning. He says that we're salt because we're supposed to be a seasoning. We're supposed to help bring the best out of people. We're supposed to help them become the best, be the best. I look back over my life, there have been times and seasons when I haven't been salt. I haven't been bringing the best out of people. Matter of fact, there have been some seasons and times when I brought the worst out of people. I brought the worst out of my wife for a few occasions when she decided she was going to leave and I wouldn't let her. When I told her I was going with her, I was bringing out the worst. I told one time we were having a conversation. It was probably more like intense fellowship. <laughs> and she said to me, the problem with this marriage, John Jenkins, is we are both in love with you. Don't laugh at her foolishness. <laughs> and the fact of the matter is, I wasn't bringing the best out of her. I was bringing the worst out of her. And some of you, perhaps, when people come in contact with you, you're not bringing the best out of them. And that's what salt does. Salt brings the best out of people. When people encounter you, we're supposed to help be, be bringing the best out of them. We're supposed to be helping them become everything that God created them to be. That's what salt does. We're supposed to inspire people, motivate people, help people, encourage people, equip people. That's what salt does, bring the best out of people. And it has taken me a minute to learn how to bring the best out of my wife and my kids. I had to change. I had to become, here's a, here's a big bird word. Here's a big bird word for today sensitivity. I had to learn to be sensitive because I had been insensitive to my wife. And so for me to bring the best out of her, God had to, for me to be seasoning her, I had to learn to be, be better than I was. And so I learned, I adjusted myself. I made changes. I learned how to enter into her world because I, I used to be selfish, self-focused. I used to be only concerned about me, but God brought me into her world and God taught me how to be sensitive to her. I remember one time I bought her some curtains for the kitchen, I mean for the uh, dining room. I bought her some curtains for the dining room and she was sitting in the dining room looking at the curtains, enjoying the curtains and she asked me to come in and sit down and look at the curtains with her. <laughs> and I blew her off. I'm an important person. I'm a pastor of a church. I'm sermons to prepare, messages to write, Bible studies to get together, phone calls to make, meetings to have. I ain't got time to sit down and look at no curtains. <laughs> I blew her off and went about my way. But then God brought me to a verse, 1 Peter 3, 7. You don't have time to turn there. Jot it down, read it when you get an opportunity. I read 1 Peter 3, 7, and God convicted me and said in verse Peter 3, 7, if I, if I wanted him to answer my prayers, I needed to dwell with her with understanding understanding you know understanding a woman can be a difficult thing <laughs> come on brothers don't leave me hanging out here by myself <laughs> thank you I know somebody his wife is not here with him that's why he can say that here today. God says you better learn to dwell with her with understanding or else your prayers will be hindered Ooh, that, that took me by surprise. I, I, I was shocked and I, and I got convicted that because I, I want God to answer my prayers. So I engaged in 
entering into her world and being sensitive to her and understanding her and, 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 and being, being compassionate and helping her bring the best out of her. And so when I bought her some, a second pair of curtains for the living room, those first ones for the dining room, when she was, I bought her some for the, for the living room and she was sitting in there looking at them, she didn't have the courage to ask me to come in and look at them with her because I blew her away the first time. But this time, look at me, I'm sensitive. I'm so, so sensitive person. I walked in and sat down and looked at them without her even asking me. Somebody say, go ahead, Pastor Jenkins. There I am sitting down, watching, looking at the curtains. I'm just sitting in there. We ain't saying nothing. Ain't nobody talking. We just looking at the curtains. <laughs> then I broke the silence. You got to watch me on this one. Look at me. I said this to her. I broke the silence. I said, those are the prettiest curtains I ever seen in my life. And then I did this, I said, and look at the way they're hanging. <laughs> I said, they just hanging there. She said, they're not curtains, they're drapes. But I was doing better. I entered into her world. I was being a seasoning and helping her become the best that God wanted her to be. She had picked out those curtains. She had designed those curtains. And I was helping her become an interior decorator. That's what my wife does. She loves to interior decorate. I'm helping pull the best out of her. Go ahead, Pastor Jenkins, you salty. <laughs> Salt helps bring the best out of people. I'm, it's a seasoning, not only is, and, and I need to ask you the question, are you helping to bring the best out of people? That's what salt does, it brings the best out of people. But not only is salt a seasoning, it's also a preservative. It helps to preserve things. Back in Bible days, salt was used to keep the freshness in meats and fish and vegetables and other things. It helped to pull out the moisture out of it. It helped to keep decay from getting in, into it. Salt was a preservative. And here's what God says to us. We are supposed to be a preservative. And what are we to preserve? We are to preserve God's truth, the word of God. We're to help keep it alive and fresh. We can help to keep it living and real. But we live in a culture that has demeaned the word of God. They've pushed it to the side. They have rejected the truth of God's word. But our assignment and our call is to stand up for it, to preserve it, make it fresh and alive, keep it real. I thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thank you. That is the reality. We are, he calls us salt because we're to help preserve it. Our culture pushes it to the background. They reject it. They talk about it. They laugh at it. They ridicule the word of God. We're called to be a preservative of truth. And then salt is also a catalyst. It's a catalyst. It's a catalyst. It has some unique interactions when you interact salt with certain things like water. It has a unique and interesting reaction. When you put salt in water or when it comes in contact with it, it does something uh, unusual. As a matter of fact, I think about that first time I came to Minnesota and it was like minus 17 degrees. When I came here to be on the Bethel board in January <laughs> and it was like minus 17 degrees. And I remember getting out of my car at the hotel and I was standing there trying to find some heat from somewhere outside of the car. 
and I started sliding down the parking lot because it was black ice and I didn't see the ice. I just started sliding down without moving. I was just standing still and I was sliding down because it was so cold. But if I had had some salt and if I had put that salt down on that ice, it would have had an interaction with that ice. It would have melted that ice. That's why Jesus says we are to be salt because we are a catalyst. Our assignment is to put salt in the world and melt the cold, hardened hearts of men. When we show them the love of Jesus Christ, when we show them that God cares about them, we are to melt their cold hearts and open their hearts to the gospel that has the power to change their lives. Go on and preach, Pastor Jenkins. I'm doing the best that I can. Go on, preach. If I was at my church, they would be waving me on. Preach on, Pastor. They would be... Salt is a seasoning, it's a preservative, and it is a catalyst. That's, what, that's why it's so powerful. That's my first point. It is a powerful component. It is a powerful commodity. But not only is it powerful, here's point two. We have a personal application for salt. God wants us to personally apply salt in our lives. What does that mean? It means, here's what the text says in verse number 13. He says, you are the salt of the earth. That's you and I. God calls you and I. You see, the problem is we've pushed this assignment onto others, onto pastors, onto preachers. When God says, you and I are supposed to be salt, you and I are supposed to be the salt of the earth. Look at your neighbor and say, that's you. That means you. Go ahead, tell them. Look at them. Eyeball to eyeball, look them right in the face. That means you, not everybody else, you. You're supposed to be the salt of the earth. And look at what he says. He says, you are the salt of the earth. Now, I love that right there. He says, you're the salt of the earth. Notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, you're the salt of the, earth, of the church. See, we got people that are salty in church. We'll be salty in church. We'll be nice in church. We'll be nice to people we know. We'll be nice to people who are nice back to us. But he says, you're the salt of the earth. That means we're to take the salt outside of the walls of the church and take it into the world, and we're to be the salt of the earth. Go on and preach, Pastor. We're to take it to people who would not normally get it. We're to take it into the earth, into the hedges and the highways. We're to take the salt to the poor, the destitute, the jacked up, the sad, the hurting, the bruised. We're to take it to others who've never heard this gospel, who have rejected the gospel, who are hurting and bruised and poor and jacked up. We're to take it to jacked up people. Guess what? The person sitting next to you is a jacked up person that had some salt poured into them somewhere. We all jacked up jokers that just had some salt put on us. And that's what he says, you're the salt of the earth. And there's a personal application that all of us are supposed to do that. We're supposed to take it and apply it to our life and be seasoning and to be a preservative and to be a catalyst and to bring change to our communities and to our culture. That's what we are called to do. We live in a culture where people are only concerned about themselves. It's me, myself, and I. I've been in churches and preaching where people come and they hear the message and if it's not about helping them feel better about them and their circumstances, they get up and walk out in the middle of the sermon. And I, I know I'm not the greatest preacher in the world, but I'm not that bad. Can't you just wait before I get done? 
but we are so self-centered and so self-consumed that it's all about us when Jesus says we're to be salt of the earth. And that translates into us taking our eyes off our own personal drama and situations and beginning to make a difference in other people's lives. When I first became the pastor of the church that I'm pastoring, I'm the pastor of the church I grew up in. I grew up in this church and I'm pastoring people who once taught me in Sunday school. Did I tell y'all that already? told you about Deacon Walton, how I, I get great joy out of saying, sit down. And he already be sitting down, and I still tell him, sit down, and I still feel good about it. I'm pastoring, and when I first came to pastor 27 years ago, I've been there, this is my 28th year, and I look so young, don't I? When I became the pastor, we had 32 auxiliaries called clubs. They were clubs. It was the Willing Workers Club, Good Samaritan Club, and we started naming clubs based on where people came from, the South Carolina Club, the Virginia Club. And all the clubs did were had anniversaries. That's, that's all they did. They had <laughs> annual anniversaries. 32 afternoon anniversaries at 3.30 with about 32 people in attendance at each one of these anniversaries. It was sad, that's all they did. But when I became the pastor, I decided to make a change. And what I did was I asked a pastor who mentored me to come in and teach our members about the role of the members of the church to be ministers themselves and not leave the responsibility of ministry to the pastor and ministers, but that everybody has the assignment of doing the work of the gospel. That's what I asked him to do. So instead of doing the normal five-night revival, we used to have five revivals for five-night with choirs and preachers, and people come in and say, we had great revival this week, and the preacher preached. What did he preach about? I don't know, but it was good. You know, it was that kind of thing. Instead of doing that, I had this man come in and teach us for five nights about the, the work of ministry and the responsibility that we had as members. And on Thursday night of that night, have I lost y'all? Y'all still with me? On Thursday night, he did something that changed our church forever. It was remarkable. It was life-changing. On Thursday night, he brought out a chart, two charts, big paper. He drew a big circle on the first chart, big old circle, divided it up into a pie. And he asked us about the problems in our community, and he wrote them down. And each slice of that pie was one of the problems, and we named unemployment and violence and, and uh, uh, drugs and divorce and education. We named all of the problems in that, those slices of pies uh, around the circle of that pie of our community. Then he went over to a second chart that he had, a big circle broken up into slices. He said, now name the auxiliaries of the church, and we named... Uh, the eight choirs, and we named the South Carolina Club and the Virginia Club, and we didn't have a Minnesota Club because y'all wasn't there. And we named the auxiliaries and the urshers and Good Samaritans and Willing Workers. And then he asked a question that was life-changing. He asked us, what are these auxiliaries doing over here to make a difference in the problems over here? Wow. You could hear 
a pin drop on our carpeted floor. It was super quiet because we recognized on that day that we had been doing church work but not the work of the church. We recognized on that day that we've been having fun among ourselves but not making a difference in our communities. As a matter of fact, if our church had moved out of the community, if we had just shut the doors, the community would have not even missed us. It was a sad day, deathly quiet. We decided from that session, from that teaching, from that series of instructions, that every, we would make some changes. And here's what we did. Every ministry, every auxiliary changed its name from being a club to being a ministry, from being self-focused to being externally focused. And every ministry, listen to this, found a need in the community to serve. And so the, the usher boards, we had multiple usher boards. We had the senior ushers, the intermediate ushers, the junior ushers. All eight choirs, every eight choir found need in the community. And for that following year, they went out and found needs in the community. So that when this pastor came back the following year and did part two of this training, he started off on Monday night with these pies. But when he asked us that following year on that Monday night, what were these auxiliaries doing to address the problems over here? We, be, we were ready for him that time. And people began to stand up and give testimony to the things that the ministries had been doing and the stuff that they had been doing. And it was amazing. It blew my mind. I knew some of the things that they were doing, but I didn't know all the things that they had been doing. They had started going to the hospitals and the nursing homes. They had gone to the prisons. They had gone to the places where people who had unwed mothers had gone. They had started going into the streets. As a matter of fact, some of the ministries had gone in and took people off the streets and rented apartments for a year, paid the rent for a year, paid the utilities for a year. It put food in that apartment. They took, they took uh, clothes that they had. People gave clothes to give to these homeless people. They took furniture that they had locked up in their garages and furniture that they didn't really need to have and they equipped these apartments with furniture for them to live in. And here we are a year later and our church had changed. We had made a difference in the community. There wasn't a dry eye in that place that night. Not a dry eye. I get choked up thinking about it. My eyes are watering up with tears just thinking about that night because the reality of the fact is some of the people in that room that night stood up and testified and said, I'm here a member of this church because su such and such a ministry adopted my family when my husband died and here I had these children and my husband had died and we didn't have a, that breadwinner and that man in our house and so th that ministry adopted us and they bought us food every day and they helped me take care of my kids and they helped babysit my kids and they helped us pay our rent. They helped us do some things that we need to get done. It was amazing. And so here we are now, 27, almost 28 years later. We produce an annual report. You should go to our website, download the annual report, and see the changes, see what we've been doing. We now have 119 ministries serving the community, serving every conceivable need that you can imagine. We have it. And you know why we can do that? Because we have people in the church who are willing to be salty.
It was life-changing. Still is life-changing. I need to close this message. I thought somebody would say, take your time, but I see y'all didn't. <laughs> I gave you space. Here's my first close. Jesus says, and my third and final point is about what Jesus said, that there's a problem with bad salt. So I talked about the power of salt and the personal application of salt. My third and final point is the problem of bad salt. And he says that if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. When, when salt is ineffective, when, it, when it's, not, it's no longer willing to be salty, when it's no longer willing to make a change, he said it's good for nothing. I learned in my study about salt that the red, the Dead Sea, y'all know what the Dead Sea is? The Dead Sea is a sea. Go ahead, Pastor, such deep revelation. <laughs> the Dead Sea is called dead because it has no life. Nothing lives in the Dead Sea. And the reason nothing lives in the Dead Sea is because it is seven times saltier than other oceans. It's too salty. And that's what we have in church. We have people who can become, in fact, too salty. You say, Pastor, how can you become too salty? You're too salty when all you're doing is taking in, but you're not putting anything out. It's, 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 it's a dead sea and nothing lives in it because water comes into the dead sea, but it doesn't have a place for it to be outlet. There's no place for the water to go to flow to anything else. It just takes in. And that's what happens in church. We got people in church who take in messages, hear good preaching, hear good gospel, hear good singing, but don't do anything with it. They don't make a change. They don't deposit to other people. They don't share with other people. They don't care about other people. They don't love on other people. They just take it all in. And so you become so salty that you're no salty good. To be good salt, you gotta be willing to take in what you get and receive and learn, apply it to your life and pour it out on the other side. That's what good salt does. I wanna ask you a question. I wanna ask you to do something. I'm, I'm finished, I'm closed, I'm done. I'm going, I'm leaving here. <laughs> but can I just ask you to do one thing, please? Can you please pass the salt? <laughs> 